What's up, Warriors fans? This is the We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, a sports ethos presentation. Sam Orlick here. Warriors coming off of a four-game losing streak. A lot to talk about. With me here today is special guest Corey LeBeau. Hey, Sam. How you doing, man? Corey, what's going on, man? Oh, it's going all right, bud. I got to say, I need to come up with a certain word or term. Maybe it's like a German word of being on the East Coast, staying up late to watch an exciting Warriors game just to have victory pulled away from us at like one in the morning. It's a brutal feeling. Yeah, your uh, Warriors fandom is uh, next level. Those uh, 10 p.m. Eastern start games yikes (laughs) you know it's like it's exhilarating when it goes well and like last season it's very painful when it goes wrong it prompts conversations about what we're doing here yeah sleeping sleeping pills or something to help get you to get you to sleep and calm down at like yeah truly only the heaviest of medications to (laughs) calm down after what were we talking about last season? Just finding ways to pull defeat from the jaws of victory. Not quite this one, but still felt uh, tough. There's some good signs. I'm sure we'll talk about it, but a rough stretch lately. Yeah, Warriors dropping the last four. Definitely not the master class in tanking that we saw last season. How to throw away a game <laughs> you know, with, with, a, with a 10-point lead with a few minutes left. Um, although there were shades of that last night, uh, surprisingly, mm-hmm. you know, there was this sequence in my mind, which really stands out the start of the fourth quarter after, uh, after pods had hit that turnaround bank shot three at the end of the third quarter, all of this energy and, and momentum going into the fourth with, um, you know, a, a decent lead and the first three plays to open the fourth quarter, it's, Chris Paul and Andrew Wiggins exchange turnover mm-hmm. two times, an offensive foul turnover on, on Wiggins setting a screen. Uh, he had it at least two of those. Just some uncharacteristic turnovers from Chris Paul down the stretch. Um, some, yeah. reluct- some reluctance to take shots. Uh, the, some mid-range shots that he passed out to um, for contested three-pointers. So... Yeah, yeah, definitely some some head scratching moments there. Uh, but let's get into I think what everyone really wants to talk about is the uh, the scuffle. You know, ninety <laughs> seconds into the game, zero zero. Um, you know, starting with Clay Thompson and and uh, Jaden McDaniel's, and then uh, Rudy Gobert and Draymond Green, obviously getting into the mix of things. Yeah, I mean. It was like we had to watch that at least five times in slow motion. It was like, how did this even happen? And it's just hysterical watching the escalation of, okay, here's the fight, which is already very uncharacteristic uncharacteristic of Clay to get involved in that kind of skirmish. And then Draymond Green, I mean, I'm sure we've seen all the memes online, but just clearly seeing this is my moment. This is my moment to do what I've wanted to do for a very long time and went completely overboard. And I mean, it's fun to watch. Like the pictures are hilarious of, you know, the headlock and everything. And I saw someone on Twitter saying like, you can even see like uh, 
uh, Rudy Gobert being like a sacre bleu, like with his arms up, like what's happened? Uh, but also, you know, this was supposed to be a mature team that has that championship pedigree that can handle this stuff. Getting into a fight like this uh, before we've even scored, getting the two out of the big three who are playing off the court. I was, I mean, glad that they ended up putting it together and putting a good game, but not the championship poise I was expecting going into a rematch of the last game, which was already tough. Yeah. There's a lot going on here. I think we've seen, but we've seen this. I mean, I, I agree historically, Clay Thompson has not been one to necessarily put himself in the middle of a skirmish or, or even to participate in one, but it does feel like since Clay's return from, mm-hmm. from injury, he, he doesn't, he doesn't really take it well anymore. If guys are going to get into his face, we saw that last totally. season with Devin Booker um, that he, you know, Clay's got, Clay's got a little bit of fire and I think he's always had that fire, but he's really just channeled that into playing hard. And mm-hmm. it feels like there are just times where I don't know if it's just being around Draymond. I don't know if it's just, just evolution and and he's just getting frustrated because he's a little bit older and it's, he can't quite do it as much with his play, but it does feel like clay is, or has found kind of more of his voice or more of a willingness to trash talk. You push me, I'm going to push back rather than just kind of shrug it off. Um, You know, that being said, what should have just been kind of a, a little bit of a handsy box out at that at the start of the possession should no way have escalated into like grabbing each other ripped jersey and and the pushing and shoving that that kind of ensued between both of those guys totally like a little merry-go-round it's like they're holding hands and spinning around on the court uh absolutely insane i mean that's such a good point sam like this wasn't the clay of this isn't the clay of old it's post-injury there's a lot of i mean not to psychoanalyze but he kind of keeps his emotions on his sleeves and is starting to talk more about it. i mean there is definitely a wounded pride here of i'm one of the great players i got injured at the highest moment game six 2019 in the nba finals playing the best basketball on the highest stage of his career and being so frustrated that he can't get back to that point that his opponents aren't treating him with the deference that he probably thinks that he should be treated with as being a four-time champion and all of that. And he's letting guys get under his skin and it does happen when he's slumping. And he is, we're going to talk about the start. He has not looked good. He's like, hasn't scored 20 points yet as long along with, a shockingly large amount of Warriors teammates. And it's it doesn't speak well, I think, of the mental toughness that in a game of kind of this stakes of trying to keep above 500 of, in you know, in-season tournament, who knows how much that matters, but could have gone 2-0. And he got riled up this early knowing that without Steph, they were going to be on him. Yep. So something something to uh, react to. I do think probably if if Draymond doesn't get involved, then it might not be ejections for everybody. It might have just been handled double T. All at the same time, like that wasn't like a regular shoving match. That was 
ripped jersey, gotta go change, like multiple people involved. And that's on Clay and Jaden McDaniels too. Arguably, the way they played, Minnesota might have been hurt more by their ejection of McDaniels than the Warriors were with both Draymond and Clay, which would be a preposterous thing to say even like two weeks ago. Uh, but might be the case now. It's wild. They were so much more free to do whatever they wanted offensively without this like terrorizing wing defender running around. Yeah, good point. Um, and just something I want to add to what you said about Clay Thompson. We've heard Draymond Green talk about who's one of the uh, most competitive guys that he's ever played with. And he said, without a doubt, it's Clay Thompson. He ha- mm-hmm. He has yet to play with a more fierce competitor. Uh, which is which is saying a lot. Um, so yeah, Clay, you know, Clay's kind of this quiet. Um, we've kind of known this Clay is kind of this quiet, reserved guy, but he's definitely got that fire. He's got that. He's got that edge. It just comes out in different ways, and and I think you know it, it's unfortunately coming out in different situations, and it's even more likely to surface in these situations when he's not playing at his best right and he's just finding other avenues to kind of release so um totally and i and i was kind of coming into this game like you said right talking about the lack of scoring on the warriors roster outside of steph curry i thought okay great this is the perfect opportunity no steph curry tonight who's going to score who's going to finally step up and put the ball the hoop because you don't have curry to bail you out anymore um, and then sure enough, you know, things we got, things got much dire, much faster when you had Clay and Draymond get ejected at the start of the game. Um, and I think, yeah, double T's would have been nice. Uh, obviously I think a fish, you know, not to go on a big tangent on officiating, but it's clear that the NBA is, is kind of going through some changes. They've got all of these veteran officials that have kind of moved on they've kind of got this new age of younger officials finding their way you've got these different rule changes you know looking at flopping more more challenges um it's it just feels like there's a lot of inconsistencies game to game and how and how these things are handled um yeah which just makes it hard It, it makes it really challenging and and i think you know, for Draymond and the Rudy Gobert part of a part of the equation, I think that there's a lot of different ways to look at it. Um, obviously, I don't, I don't support you know Draymond Green choking out Rudy Gobert. <laughs> 100% not a basketball play. At the same time, you know, you do appreciate the fact that Draymond Green's got Clay Thompson's back, and whether it was warranted or not, you know, go, you know, there was a moment. A brief moment where Gobert puts his hands on Clay Thompson and Draymond Green immediately steps in and is like, Nope, here we go. This is my chance. And just <laughs> and just, you know, puts him in the headlock. Now that being said, I, you know, I've had a really hard time watching all the different opinions on the internet come, you know, come trickle through last night and today around, you know, how many games should Dray- should Draymond Green be suspended and blah blah blah, this and that. One thing that did catch my attention that I wanted to just call out is I've seen multiple people say that as a bouncer, the first thing that you're taught when trying to break up a fight is to approach approach somebody from behind and pull them away. Now, Mm -hmm. 
typically when you're trying to de-escalate a fight, you're going to go to your teammate rather than the opposing guy. At the end of the day, though, I don't think Draymond's intentions were to hurt Rudy Gobert. It was simply, this is my chance to put him in a chokehold and slowly drag him away. But there was no punch. There was no kick. This was not a violent physical act that was meant to hurt Gobert. I'm sure it was shocking and surprising to, to Gobert, right? But, um, you know, I just oh, wanted to throw sad. out that, that caveat out there. Um, I it, just love, yeah, no, it's, I, I mean, that's important. Yeah, it was like getting, he had Clay's back. Absolutely. I love all the Warriors faithful that are like, no, I mean, Draymond's a great teammate. Wouldn't you want someone who has their back, especially with the muted response the T-Wolves had for Rudy Gobert? which is, you know, everyone knows that that team, they don't, no one really likes Rudy, right? Draymond especially, but also the rest of the league doesn't. Who knows why? But I love, it's like, yep, you know, when you punch your own teammate out, that's the only situation where like, well, all he did was choke him, right? Right. That's not Draymond (laughs) trying to hurt somebody. That's Draymond playing peacemaker. I mean, it's absolutely, he should have been ejected. I think it's going to be a few game suspension. I don't think, you know, all the Twitter, like, finger wagging and like oh god this guy draymond does what draymond does but if we think that he wasn't even like 70 percent motivated by i'm gonna get my hands on i'm gonna like sun rudy gobert right now and let him know what's up i think it's very clear that was like much more his intention than helping clay thompson because that wasn't even the guy who got into uh, clay thompson's face in the beginning so it's it's like it lasted it lasted for so long. He had like five guys doing it. He could have just shoved Rudy off. Like it was clearly intentional. Yeah, he, I'm tr- I know he wasn't trying to like hurt him or kill him. Like the stuff that like Rudy Gobert is talking about. Like if he knew what he was doing, I could have been in real trouble. Like, okay, calm down, buddy. Like it's fine. He got what was needed. Uh, but it is it is funny watching. And, you know, maybe that is like the Warriors have been playing so lackluster with like i don't know with no force with no intensity they've been pretty they've been like big upped like they've been made to look little by their last like big opponents with cleveland and minnesota and you know that was a pretty fiery effort after the ejections i wonder if there is some kind of like yes we can do this we can stand up to teams without steph without even draymond and clay and maybe that's part of what was dre's reaction too i know he's kind of gotten that's the that's the line he likes to toe a lot in terms of charging up this team. And yeah, yeah no, maybe this will be a turning point for the season, even if they lost the game. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to your point, if that had been Nas Reed or Carl Anthony Towns or Kyle Anderson, Draymond, <laughs> Draymond doesn't have the same reaction, right? hundred percent. It's Rudy Gobert. Here's my chance. Um, yeah. And it's interesting because there there is obviously this this Draymond Green Rudy Gobert beef history. Um, mm-hmm. It it's interesting though because it doesn't really go back to like one thing per se. It 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 almost feels like um, you know because because Warriors Muse did a little bit of history, kind of going back through some of the altercations in history, and all I can really gather from all of that is like. Draymond doesn't respect Rudy Gobert as a basketball player. And the fact that Draymond Green won defensive player of the year in 2017 and Gobert won it in 2018 and in follow and in subsequent years after that, Draymond Green's just taken it personally. Like, dude, you and I aren't on the same level. You are not 
totally. defensive player of the year worthy. And, and, and then, you know, there are several occasions over the last five years where green has um, green and Rudy Gobert have just gotten physical on the court, but it hasn't really necessarily escalated into fighting or anything like that. It's been a lot of sub tweets back and forth on Twitter. And it just really feels like Draymond Green's like, dude, you're not a good basketball player. End of the day. Like you, you are an incredible athlete and a very large human being, but you're not a good basketball player. At least that's what I feel like Draymond's perspective is. Um, and so he's just looking for ways to, to continue antagonizing him, I guess. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it is weird. It's Draymond definitely doesn't have the hardware and the awards that he deserves and maybe the reputation that he deserves as being like the preeminent defensive player of the past 10 years, like of this era of basketball. And you can make the case the same way that Steph has revolutionized offense in the modern NBA. Dre did the same with defense, with being undersized, but playing small and the smarts and stretching the defense and all of that stuff. And to look and you know he takes it personally, like I'm that guy. And yet Rudy Gobert's the one with like two or three defensive player of the year awards It's talked about in the statisticians about being like the one man, great defense. Meanwhile, in the playoffs, like he can get played off the court pretty quickly while Draymond's the one who's so adaptable, who is so good at defense that you can never take him out for offense and everything like that. There's a lot of pride there. I remember it was two years ago on the championship run. He was the all, he was in the all-star game, but he was hurt. So he was one of the announcers because he had announced his like podcast and TNT deal and stuff. And he's announcing with the game. He's like the sideline commentator because he's on the bench and stuff with all the players. And someone brings up Rudy Gobert. And on national television, this man's like, don't you ever compare me to that man. Don't yep. you ever compare. The guy's on the All-Star, in the All-Star game, like across from him. Don't you yep. dare compare me to that man. He's like talking. That, so he takes it really seriously. You're right. All the tweet tweeting back and forth and stuff. And he saw his moment and he went for it. And I mean, he definitely got him like <laughs> that. Those pictures are going to live on. And, you know, being so overpowered, having Anthony Edwards talk all that smack in the last game and then win in the final, in the crunch time of the game in the in part one of this little T-Wolves back to back, you knew Draymond was going to want to make a statement, try to get in their heads. And he definitely went at their heads i don't know who we got in it but uh it's uh it was it was tough to watch i will say you know we did miss him on carl anthony towns that's for sure like whatever boost he gave the team it would have been nice to have towns had a field day without draymond guarding him and just goes to show how good he is defensively even as the warriors are looking to find their footing in the beginning parts of the season yeah yep um what last thing I wanted to say on say on this was uh, it's interesting. There's um, some some people had some thoughts and questions around. There seems to be some some trending data when Curry doesn't play, Draymond gets ejected. Like Draymond doesn't <laughs> play, Curry's not on the floor. Um, it's like a little bit less than ten percent of the games that Curry mm-hmm. hasn't played and and Draymond has played in that he's been. Um, ejected for some reason or another. So I don't think that's quite enough of a sample size to say that there's something there. I I do think that there have been some games where you can tell Draymond's heart just isn't in it. And he's like, all right, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get myself thrown out. 
Um, but I wouldn't say that it's to the point of, you know, he, he basically refuses to play if Curry's not in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's, first of all, that's hilarious. And you got to love in the era of quiet quitting him being like, you know what? This is going to be a lot harder without Mr. Curry in right now. So let me take a back seat. I think it's less of him wanting to get thrown out and more. I think when Steph's out there, that shit doesn't happen. Like Clay's not going to do that either. Like Steph is the leader. He's the one who's kind of gra- taking a lot of the attention from the defense, from the whole team. He's the one who's kind of like the quiet, like spokesperson. I think there's a level of calm. I mean, remember in like, we're just going down Warriors memory lane, the famous Kevin Durant, Draymond Green explosion. Mm-hmm. Steph wasn't playing during that time. Yeah. That was when he wasn't suiting up. I think there's something about when like, Steph's not out there to balance Draymond that things can get a little much on that side. It's a good point. Which is, it's what the Warriors are so great at. You've got both Steph and Dre. You've got the offense and the defense. You've got like the skill and you have the brawn. And without, we've seen the team suffer with either of them are gone. Like it, they, they do really do complete each other in a lot of different ways. That's good. I like that. Well, yeah. Draymond is who he is at this point of his career, unfortunately. <laughs> People continue to to feel like, you know, Warriors need to do something about it or Green needs to do something about it. You, you, you take the good with the bad. This is who he is. At this point, you either you either like him or you hate him. Um, I think it's I in, indisputable what value he brings to the team. And you just kind of have to to, you know move on i mean i mean draymond shooting uh 45 from three in the yeah, early I'm, season um I'm, obviously we would rather him not choke someone out and get ejected in a game that's relatively important in the regular season but we i'm sure we will talk about like a litany of issues with this warriors team draymond's not one of them right now he's playing yeah. well defensively he's shooting more threes and making more threes than expected he is not the person to blame for this uh treacly start so yes that's all that's pretty foolish although i do love it's like hey you know the bright side at least he's attacking the other team rather than his own team the locker room <laughs> vibes, i'm sure they're pretty good right now because at least you know where everyone's on the same page still right and then okay so this is a great segue so Moving on from that, um, you know, when it rains, it pours, right? So no Steph Curry, great opportunity. Someone's got to figure out the score. We're all kind of hoping it's Andrew Wiggins. Would be great to see him to eclipse the 20-point mark and feel good about his shot going in. Oh, by the way, let's just add to that a little bit more. Now, no Clay, no Draymond. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it it was really like, okay, man, this is going to be a blowout. And it really wasn't. Um, Warriors, Mm -hmm. you know, took – and I liked Steve Kerr immediately putting in Pajetsky um, and Saric, right? So kind of mm-hmm. leaving leaving Moody and Kaminga to come off the bench. Um, and, and I think Minnesota was kind of as surprised as the Warriors were in all of that. And it, and it gave the Warriors an opportunity to kind of reestablish themselves. And they had success. Pods was um, a breath of fresh air. He went on to have mm-hmm. an incredible night um scoring uh 23 points which was a career high he was just all over the place taking multiple charges um setting up teammates knocking down threes his float floater game was on point just all over the floor doing so many positive things um 
believe it or not, Pods actually leads the Warriors right now in net plus minus at plus <laughs> at, at plus fifty one. That is crazy. That's absolutely nuts. A lot of that has to do with even the first part of the T-Wolves game when he came in and dropped like eight points in one minute and just like quickly the, a lot of plus. It's, uh, I mean, the pods game is absolutely nuts. I mean, it's become a whole story of who's going to break 20 points. Sarge hit 20 points one game, but he didn't eclipse it, right? So who's going to get higher than 20 points? How many, like, he would have been the last person expected, right? I might've said Corey Joseph before pods in terms of who would get enough minutes to play and break 20 points, but he was, not only was he good, he was, this is so strange, he was necessary. It's like the offense and the defense was not working without him on the floor. And I think that speaks to maybe less about how good pods is, although I'm sure we'll find some more, Kerr's gonna find more rotation minutes, but more like how stuck in the mud the Warriors offense seems right now, that just giving it to this like 19 year old who can put his head down and dribble and pass and make plays and throw up weird shots. And some of them go in is refreshing and necessary. And I wonder how that's going to ripple through the rest of the team. Right. Well, Steve Kerr had a good soundbite after the game. Pods is going to be in the rotation, whatever that means. Um, But he's, you know, he effectively said he's a, he's a damn good player and he's a connector. He does everything we want him to do on both ends of the floor. And he's proven it since basically the first day in training camp and they want to get him minutes. Now, I don't know what that really means. It looks like Uh, Steph Curry's ruled out for the game tomorrow against OKC, Mm -hmm. but um, results of the MRI were encouraging. This is his knee issue is expected to be a short-term thing. So uh, maybe he returns for Saturday's game against Oklahoma because we play them twice. Maybe it's just, maybe it's next week, but I don't think this is like a week to week thing. I think maybe we're looking at two two games at the most. So I think that there's some short-term opportunity for him to continue to get it some some good run but then what does that rotation look like when he comes back um totally. and then it's and the- then also just Corey joseph looked awful man i'm sorry i mean I, <laughs> I i love everything they're saying about Corey joseph as a teammate in the locker room and practices all of that i'm all for it i mean dude stepped out of bounds twice Mm-hmm. And it was just non-basketball plays. Like there's nothing going on and you were just, you stepped out of bounds and you hate to see it because he's a great guy. I've seen him be successful in other situations. Um, I just have not seen it for the Warriors yeah. yet. Well, I mean, this is only a second game. He's even stepped on the court, right? Other than his like disastrous opening night stint. Definitely not great. He had an encouraging first half. I thought like he hit a couple of threes but you know who once had encouraging first halves? Brad Wanamaker. So <laughs> he, it's, uh, you know, he might not be that guy. I I was baffled by in a game where we already need all of the size and we're trying to throw things at the wall that Kerr put out in the third and I think fourth quarter, like Chris Paul and Corey Joseph lineups. Like, why do you need these two small point guards on the floor Especially when, yeah, that's when Kojo was like stepping out of bounds, turning it over. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm a little lost with some of the decision making, and it, it's just, I, I really can't put 
my finger on it, on what's going on. I think there's definitely a reluctance to switch up a lot of the rotations. And last night was a chance to do that because he Mm -hmm. had to, right? He doesn't have the vets in. And yet still, I mean, we can talk about all the good things, but Kaminga and Moody only, like, getting less than 20 minutes on a game with no Steph, Clay, and Dre. Like, what do you you make of that? Because it's a little baffling if you had just said that before the game started. Yeah, Kaminga played two seconds under 16 minutes, and Moody played 13 minutes. Um, Kaminga struggled offensively uh, big time. I think it's been refreshing to see Kaminga put his head down and get fouled and get to the free throw line. Other than that, I have not seen all of the um, kind of improvements and and work mm-hmm. that we saw in the preseason for Kaminga, whether it was shooting, whether it was passing. I mean, he's had his moments. I'm not trying to say he's just been awful the whole season, but um, he's not he's not being the connector that they need him to be doing all the little things. Um, he is rebounding a little bit more, so that's good. But for yeah. example, we saw we saw Pods box out Gobert on a mm-hmm. possession, right? To secure a rebound. That's the type of stuff that's gonna get you minutes in Steve Kerr's rotation. Moses Moody is the real head scratcher because Moody I, yeah. it just seems to be all over the floor, hitting big shots. Um, he checks in in the in the I don't know if it was the end of the first quarter, early second quarter, when it, you know, we we kind of had established ourselves a little bit and needed a bucket. He comes in and has like two tough takes, just really mm-hmm. good, really good attacks to the hoop. Um, seems like he plays solid ball. Uh, been shooting well from the three overall in the season. Um, and yeah, the yeah. minutes continue to be, you know, on the season, he's averaging 16 and 16.8 minutes per game. His minutes have been trending down. I think at the start of the season, he was closer to 20. So I, I, that I can't really explain. Uh, it's a little confusing. And um, especially after we've seen kind of Andrew Wiggins, you know, not really in closing lineups and, and reduced minutes, you, you know, you'd kind of totally. feel like there was this, there was this, um, communication from Kerr after games. That's like the best guys are going to play. And it's like, we're not really seeing that. It feels like if you're a starter, you're kind of guaranteed some rope. And if you're coming off the bench, there's no rope. Like you've got your role and if you play well, you continue to play. And if you don't play well, or even if you do play well, you still might not play that much. Um, Well, that's the, yeah, that's the thing, Sam. I mean, like with Kaminga and Moody, you, I mean, you weren't being like too harsh. Like Kaminga has not been good this season in a really dispiriting way. I'm not like giving up on him, but he has not been effective at almost anything. Like it's amazing mm-hmm. how how hesitant he is. He gets the ball, and like I'm always thinking, it's like, oh, go, like go to the basket, get the foul, and he always stops, and then he hesitates, and then he has like this mid range jumper. They aren't falling. He gets himself into trouble. He turns the ball over. And I always thought, I'm like, man, if Kaminga could play with Moody's feel and decision-making and force, he would be like an all-star because he would be unstoppable. And so I understand why Kaminga's not playing. It's frustrating. And you could argue that, hey, there might be a connection to how hesitant he feels with the fact that he's not playing. That's for Kerr and the Warriors and them to decide. Who knows, what, who knows how that goes? We're just watching the games. But Moody's been playing well. He's been playing well almost every game. He's not making big mistakes. You know, he's hitting his shots. He's one of the few players on the team right now 
who feels comfortable taking shots, like taking open threes, swinging the ball around, driving to the hole. He's had some great takes. I have, and he's played with the starters and looks good with them too. I have no idea how in this game he only plays 13 minutes. I have no clue about that. He brings energy. He's a scrappy guy. I think this might have been the title run. It might have been last year. But you remember that one game with all the starters were out? It was like against the Spurs and the like the young warriors like clawed back and won and Moody's like diving on the ground, getting the ball. And I think it was Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland. Yeah, 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 yeah. Moody, Moody had like six threes. He went nuts. He went nuclear. Yeah. yeah. He, he is like in a game where you are like clawing and trying to steal this game without your best players. He's the guy that I want out there. And I like, I'm sure Kerr has his reasons, but it does not seem like I, I just, first of all, we don't know those reasons. And I would say like, it just does not seem like he's pushing the right buttons right now. Like we haven't seen any combinations and you know, I might have like, what's the opposite of rose colored glasses. Like, Stewart colored glasses right now just because <laughs> we're in a four game winning streak uh four game losing streak but it just doesn't seem like he's putting out the right combinations like he's found the chemistry with guys like he's giving them the confidence yeah it's, it's, I, it feels like Kerr, Kerr was really focused on the two the two guard lineups the two point guard lineups and to your point earlier right he's just hell-bent on making sure even if Corey Joseph has been awful in the times he's, he's played him it's like well we need a second point guard out there with chris paul so Corey joseph you're up you know Reed, yeah even though you know other guys might be more deserving so i think that there's uh yeah i 100 i think there's a reluctance to experiment with lineups there's clearly some vision of roster construction and and personnel on the floor regardless of who's injured or playing they want certain archetypes on the floor at all times which mm-hmm. is like two small guards and so it's almost like rather than experiment they're like okay well even though a bunch of guys are out let's figure out how to continue maintaining this identity of two small guards and continue to get reps there um at the detriment of using this as an opportunity to give uh, Moody, you know, because maybe you could argue Kaminga wasn't deserving of additional minutes, but Moody should have mm-hmm. played, you know, 20 plus, um, 20 plus. Minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think that's so right. He does like having the two guards out. He loves having two different playmakers, even if the playmakers aren't very good. And <laughs> stepping out <laughs> of bounds. Like, yeah. It's like bizarre, right? I think there have been moments, I think it was against the Cleveland, some of the Cleveland games where, it's just so clear that the Warriors are the old team, right? And this is a mm-hmm. new identity that like we haven't really had to deal with. Even two years ago, yeah, they were the veterans, but they weren't quite old. This team is old. Swapping out Chris Paul for Jordan Poole, like they are old. They play a little slower. And there are moments where you can just see, like, put some young guys in and let them just run the fucking floor right now. Like put TJD in just to like get some size, to get a roller and to bang bodies a little bit. And his reluctance to do that is so, I, I like, I don't quite understand, especially when he was saying like, hey, we have a lot of different lineups we can throw out. And yet he's got this adherence to uh, these strict lineups and these combinations that, you know, 
I, I, I'm trying not to sound like a regular Warriors Twitter guy who's like, blame Steve <laughs> Kerr, fire Steve Kerr. Right. But I do think that this team is underperforming right now because I do think they have higher points. I don't think they've maximized what they've got. And I understand like the starting lineup last year was the best in the league, right? And the idea that the bench unit, Chris and the kids, like they looked so good at the beginning of the season. If we could get the starting lineup going, that's something, but it's not going. I don't know what's wrong. And it does. It seems like there are a couple of close games in this four-game losing streak that if we had like a different combination of players in at some key moments, maybe we could have eked out a victory there. Yeah, there, and, there's – yeah, go ahead, finish. Yeah. Oh, just hindsight's twenty twenty, right? I don't want to be like, hey, from my uh, apartment here, let me tell you how to coach a basketball team. But it does <laughs> feel that way. It does right. feel that way. And thankfully, I don't feel, you know, I think last night against the Timberwolves was probably the closest we've been to maybe like last season where it was like, man, we, we had that game. If we had only, mm-hmm. you know, done this, you know, zigged instead of zagged, you know, it, it really felt like there was a, a few chances for us to, to steal that game. Um, even after we had kind of blown our lead at the start of the fourth um, down the stretch, mm-hmm. uh, just a few really interesting things. One, in these four games we've lost, we're out-rebounding the opposition, and that is Denver, Cleveland, and back-to-back Minnesota. Um, Now, I think the numbers are a little inflated because we are just crashing the O-boards so hard (laughs) every game because there's so many missed shots. (laughs) And so I think it's still valid. You know, the, the rebounding is a big part. Um, and it was a huge issue for the Warriors last year. And um, mm-hmm. when you look at the Warriors, they're third in offensive rebounds ranked across the league, um, 16th in defensive rebounds. So that kind of gives you a little bit of the story right there, right? So the rebounding is a little inflated yeah. with the offensive rebounding, but that's still a really big part of what we do. Second, um, you know, what you just said last season, the, the Warriors had this incredible starting lineup with this great net rating to you know number to back it up well right now the warriors starting lineup no no member of the starting lineup for the warriors is above is a net positive in in total <laughs> plus minus steph curry is sitting in steph, steph curry is at a zero curry is at a yeah. zero right now for 11 games played on the season for you know mvp caliber start to a season he's oh. still sitting at a zero wiggins is minus 72 draymond is minus 17 Looney is minus eight. Clay Thompson's minus eight. And yeah, sure. sure. I think shooting is a big part of that because we just aren't executing offensively. But then also I think, um, you know, I, I know no, no Looney slanders allowed on this podcast, but Looney's regressed <laughs> a little, Looney's regressed a little bit yeah. this season. This isn't the same Kavon Looney from last year. I mean, he's still a rebounding machine. He's still very much a glue guy connector, but you can see defensively, he's getting called for a lot of fouls that last year he he was playing just good defense and contesting shots. And I don't know if it's yeah. the grind of him approaching Clay Thompson's record of most consecutive games played as a warrior, um, which Ooh. I think he's going to pass that record this season. He's hovering somewhere in the, in the low two hundreds and Clay Thompson's at 218, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I don't know if it's just kind of the wear and tear of so many games played, um, year after year now, but he, he definitely doesn't look the same as last year. And I think that's, that's really big. And I mean, Andrew Wiggins continues to be 
you know, the guy who's defending the other team's best player, but you know, Wiggins clearly isn't right. He's not at a hundred percent. And, um, you know, he, he's, it's not for a lack of effort. You see him out there fighting for offensive rebounds. He, you know, he was four of 15. I liked the 15 shot attempts last night. He did knock down a three, um, but the mm-hmm. mid range, the mid range and the post-ups just aren't there. And, you know, people are talking about, uh, the rib injury from the playoffs against the Lakers series. I don't know. It's, it's hard to kind of pinpoint what exactly the issue is. If he is really injured, you know, do you just give him time to recover? Is that not an option? Um, but clearly he's going through something and um, that sucks, right? When you've got, I mean, Draymond is shooting well from three, you know, this season, but you know, Draymond's not taking, you know, 10, 15 shots a game. Draymond's only taking two threes per game. Um, so yeah, Dr- Draymond's kind of a, a, you know, yeah, Draymond's been scoring 10 points per game, but Draymond's kind of ish a non-factor offensively. Looney's certainly a non-factor offensively. Andrew Wiggins has been a non-factor offensively. Clay Thompson has had his struggles offensively. And so you mm-hmm. just look at this starting lineup and you're like, what are we doing guys? Um, so it just totally. kind of begs the question, like, is there going to be a change in the near future? And what would that even look like? And how would they even do that? And I think we even got a hint of potentially Sarich starting um, yeah. over Looney, right? It started last night because they wanted to make an adjustment. And um, and maybe that is the move that you stick with. Sarich has just been incredible. Um you know, able to finish plays in so many different ways. I've been really impressed with his game. Maybe that kind of tries to get to get the team going and you just see that you need you need another option. You need somebody to be able to do something on offense that isn't named Steph Curry. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty striking when you put it into those terms. A lot to say. I think the biggest thing you hinted at, Sam, is like, yes, they're not shooting well. You know, right now, Wiggins and Clay are just not having good offensive season so far. Clay, I'm sure, will snap out of it at some point. He's, like, figuring it out. He started slow last year, too. Okay, Wiggins is, like, I mean, we could have a whole other podcast about what's going on with him. But I think what you're really getting at is this team isn't defending right now. And that was the real strength of this lineup. Steph and Clay, Steph's a pretty good defender now. Clay's got size for a two-guard when he's at that position, Wiggins is supposed to be the apex predator when it comes to defense, guarding the other guy's best option. And then Draymond and Looney are about as good a defensive uh, duo for the front court as you could get, where it's like, yeah, maybe they're going to be a little undersized when it comes to Cleveland and Minnesota. But like, we watched that duo tag team Jokic in the playoffs and do a good job at it. Like not stop them, but do a good job. And they are not defending at a level that their reputation requires them to and what their offensive limitations need them to. Mm -hmm. So if they're not going to defend, if Wiggins is out here playing like a limp noodle and also not making any difference on defense, like what are we doing? If Looney's not stopping some of these big guys, well, and he hasn't been even on offense, he seems much less, I mean, maybe he is getting wear and tear, but doesn't he seem like less mobile? Like he's not scoring as much as he was before. Yep. Like he's not, he's not making nearly as much of an impact. It's pretty wild. I, I get like putting Looney to the, like if we want to rotate Looney to the bench, kind of spread out our strong rebounders and defenders, add a little bit more offensive juice to the front court with Sarge. That makes sense. 
I don't know what to do if Wiggins doesn't play well. Like he's such a linchpin for this team on both sides of the ball. And we've seen him not play well before. Like last year, I mean, first of all, he was gone for so long, but even when he was there, even though he wasn't playing at the level we expected him to, he was still like solid on offense and defense. This is, I mean, it's more than just like his passive like behavior that sometimes it happens. He is playing with zero confidence out there. He's airballing shots. He's missing rebounds. He's getting blown by. I did think, you're right, yesterday was actually an encouraging sign. I think he had seven rebounds. He drove to the hole a bunch. And he actually did do a really good job on um, uh, Edwards, Anthony Edwards. So maybe, again, like, it's just like, this is the game. It was against Minnesota. Like, you can't play like a noodle when Draymond just choked out somebody, right? Like, there's a certain (laughs) level of aggression that is now required to be on this court. We'll see how it carries over. But it's weird to watch him play like this. And it's frustrating because, like, him taking that time off last season, maybe, like, sunk, like, a lot of chances we had. We never found out what's going on. He comes back, isn't, well, you know, I'll give him credit. He actually played pretty well in the playoffs and he like played through a broken rib. So toughed it out. That's good. It's just something's going on that's more than just like he's cold from three. And it's weird to watch. And having that combined with all of the other offensive woes on the team is a little, I mean, it's just, it's more than the Warriors can overcome right now, which is bizarre to think. Wiggins shooting 15% from three. Jonathan Kaminga <laughs> shooting 17% from three. Chris Paul shooting 20% from three. Saric shooting 32% from three on 4.4 attempts. Clay Thompson shooting 34% from three on 6.9 attempts. GP2 shooting 36% from three. Pods is shooting yeah. 41.7% from three. Uh, <laughs> that's gonna go down pretty quickly if you get some playing time i don't know yeah, about that yeah shot, small but... small small sample size but when you've got you know wiggins thompson and paul you know volume three-point shooters and just and just not not shooting at a respectable clip it makes it really hard because then wiggins and kaminga come in and they want to get downhill and attack the basket but teams are just um stuffing the paint because there isn't a mm-hmm. three-point threat out there um, yeah, I think we've talked about, so we've talked a lot about Wiggins and Clay and even Kaminga, I would say, and Kerr. So I would say the one person we really haven't talked about, which is starting to get very concerning to me, is Chris Paul, who has been, I think, better than expected and worse than expected at the exact same time, where better than expected in the sense that he has immediately had the impact that the Warriors hoped he would have. He's like not turning the ball over. He's organizing the second unit. We're winning the non-Steph minute. Like that's, that's what they were hoping for probably like halfway through the season that they'd established this chemistry that Chris Paul would be able to lead the second unit. And he's doing that, which is awesome. And it was great, especially in the winning streak, but man, I don't think when the Warriors traded for him that they realized how bad his jump shot would be. Like we, he, that used to be money when he was playing against the Warriors, like not just threes, but mid range. And now he has, it seems like he has no confidence in either. And those plays down the stretch in the fourth quarter were like, that is not why they got him. 
You right. know, like that's that's the exact opposite of why they got him. So I'm wondering, like, do you think he's do you think that three's gonna come back? He's just adjusting. Do you think it's like he just can't get it up as much anymore? What what do you think's going on? Well, I think there's a few things. One, he clearly needs more time to get a shot off mm-hmm. due to due to age, right? And and I think you can just see that there are times that he feels uncomfortable that he doesn't have enough time to get the shot off. As far as the percentage goes, that I think should even out. Um, we did we 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 are starting to see him hit a few more threes. Uh, he was like fifteen percent, and he's climbed up to twenty because he's been hitting one or two <laughs> one or two a game now. Um, and that and I mean that shot's gonna be there for him if he's like in the corner. Like he needs to be comfortable to take some spot up shots. Um, yeah. Also, also another thing is you know I'm I'm looking here. Chris Paul's played the second most total minutes on this team. It's Steph Curry, 357, Paul, 333, Thompson, 315, Wiggins, 313 um, for the the top four in minutes played total. So I don't know that they were expecting to lean on Paul this much. It's come out of of necessity, I think, especially in a night when you didn't have Steph Curry. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I think what's what's been surprising for me has been the turnovers and decision-making um like the first the first game or maybe it was like the first two games it felt like he was he was like point god paul right he's like mm-hmm. kick the ball kick the ball out of bounds to or wait to kick the ball out of bounds to you know run some t- shave some time off the clock or rip through foul to get himself to the foul line that like yeah other than that he like barely has made it to the free throw line he's he's attempting 1.3 free throws per game. I feel like there needs to be more of that like uh savviness, just throw your body into guys and figure out ways to get fouled. Like, okay, fine. If you're not feeling great about your shot in every game or your shots aren't going in, find ways to get to the foul line. Um, that's totally. been surprising. Uh his total turnovers are good when you look at the number of assists he's had, but lately it seems like he's playing a little bit more in the reckless chaos style <laughs> of the warriors and less of in, and just kind of like fumbling the ball. Like it was just, it's just weird, inexplicable. Um, but yeah, the offense, yeah. The, the lack of offense or confidence in shooting is a little concerning, but I feel like that's also just the trending of his age and he needs to just figure out um, maybe he's deferring a little too much because it does feel like there. I mean, there are times where he gets to his mid range and it looks really good, um, but it just looks like such a tough shot. It looks like it's it really so does. Hard. Yeah, it looks like it just it it looks like what Clay Thompson does, where he just makes it so much mm-hmm. harder than it than you feel like it needs to be. Um, so I do feel like the percentages is are going to come up, um, but I just don't know if this is just the limitations of his body. Um, playing more minutes than he than he should be in a higher usage role than he should be needing more pieces around him um, for shooters to have a little bit more space to operate in deferring trying to you know trying to he's playing two two styles right when he plays in the first unit he's he's playing the free flowing but then when he's in the second unit he's more the methodical the balls in his hands you know is, is that too much stylistic mm-hmm. difference going on in the same game um I do think overall he's been a very, very good, um, very good change for the Warriors, right? I mean, oh, I, yeah. I think without totally. Chris Paul and Jordan Poole and you just, you know, 
think everything is the same. I, I think we we're looking at like maybe three wins on the season, maybe less. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, especially these, you think these, about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, just all of these, like the, during the winning streak on the road, like these buzzer beating, like jump shots, like we would not, we, those were the games we were losing last year. You know, yes. like we were not, we were not winning those games. So even putting ourselves into position, not like fumbling the ball out of bounds, like that's great, but it is, it is totally, I think really good kind of like slowing down, like, wait, it's been 12 games. He is doing something he's never done in his career. He's old. The, everyone's figuring out their new rotations. It's maybe unfair to put it onto him, but I like, I didn't expect him to be a heavy scorer. I did think him to be like an impact offensive player with like about 15 points a game. And he rarely hits, it feels like he doesn't even get to double digits most nights. And on lineups where it's him, Moody, Peyton, Sarich, and Kaminga, someone has to score. And it's like very, they don't turn the ball over and they can play good defense and they can move the ball around. But now that teams are kind of like getting used to that, and if they're long, like, He's got to take that mid-range jump shot. And I thought last night it it almost it pretty much cost them the game, his inability to be like, okay, I'm gonna score and I'm gonna bring this home. Yep. When those 100%. are the, like that's that's kind of why they got him, right? Is because like Steve Kerr said, it's like there's gonna be moments where we need you to take five mid-range jump shots in a row. And he has been unable to do it, and he's been whiffing his threes. It's I mean, that one play, I'm sure you're thinking of it too. He's like the final minute or two he's driving it looks like he's got an open layup and he does the draymond or the iguodala like pass out to a uh guarded three-pointer it's like what are we doing here you can't even just try to get to the line that's what pods was doing he was just going in there he didn't know enough to be scared of gobert (laughs) yeah man that that layup that he took conley off the bounce and then pulled up Mm -hmm. for the floater right before gobert could get to it it's like Welcome to the NBA. Jeez. So that's what I think will be interesting is, um, you know, if, because, because I think when you look at the four, the four game winning streak that they had earlier in the season versus the four game losing streak, it's the ancillary scoring around these guys, Mm -hmm. because you don't need Chris Paul to score 15. If Peyton's got 10, Moody's got 10, Kaminga's got 10, like, you don't, the, the, somebody needs to score more than 20 uh, only matters when nobody can hit a shot. If everybody's chipping in, I'd love games where we've got eight guys in double figure scoring, but nobody is twenty. Yeah. Like who, you know, who cares as long as as long as totally. we're efficient on offense. But um, outside shooting is dried up, and so Peyton trying to you know squeeze layups in is hard. You know, Looney's not really you know getting shots underneath. Um, and sure, I think you know there is a little bit of. Uh, recency bias and kind of looking at the teams we're playing like the defending champs in in denver the twin towers Mm -hmm. in cleveland the twin towers in minnesota like there's clearly a trend here that we've struggled against um you know teams that either are very disciplined defensively and have a lot of length and size in the paint and we can't hit an outside shot um but i but i am very disappointed in chris paul's inability to game the game and find ways to get to the foul line forget you know you okay you feel like you can't get your shot off just get to the line then figure out ways to dupe guys to get to the line totally that's why they brought him in right someone who would know what to do in these like situations 
He's got to figure it out. I think it's really important to have that recency bias. You're right. Five of their six losses are against real stylistic problems for the Warriors and length that isn't just the big boys down low, but across the whole team, especially with Minnesota. And if you maybe you play out the season a little bit more, we'll see how they do against OKC, another little baseball series back to back with OKC. That might be a little easier. Chet's obviously like a, a gangly dude, but he's not quite the same physical presence as Cleveland and Minnesota. We'll see how they play and a chance to really turn it back up. But it is interesting to see the Warriors have like, you know, they still think Clay and Draymond and probably Steph still think that it's like, yeah, we're the Warriors. Let's just go out and win this game because we want to win this game. Like that's how they've operated their whole careers pretty much. And now knowing that, oh, we can't just do that anymore. Like we actually have stylistic counters that can overpower us. What do we do? Can we be more thoughtful? And I think it requires pushing the right buttons as well, not writing these guys for so long when they can't make plays down the end because they're already old. It's time to figure it out. But it is a bummer that we were like so high to start the season. And now it feels like we're like, it's as if the season hasn't even started. It's like all that momentum's disappeared a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I do hear you. I I, I do feel like there's some correctable things here. Like mm-hmm. it is it is kind of as simple as if guys hit shots, we likely have at least three more wins, if not more on the season. Um, but it totally. is more, a little bit more complicated than that. And there is more going on here age of the core is obviously at play and you're even starting like we said earlier you're even starting to see that fatigue on looney so mm-hmm. i think it's going to be interesting to see what adjustments if any steve kerr makes is that pods getting more minutes at the expense of who is that moody finally getting more opportunities is that trace jackson davis playing a little bit more at the five over looney then um yeah you know, and, and then what's going to happen with Draymond? How many games, if any, is he going to be suspended? Uh, Clay Thompson, question mark two, although I doubt Clay Thompson gets uh, any suspension uh, related nah, to, I that, think to he's, that scuffle. Yeah, he's coming uh, back. How many games, you know, when when do we get Curry back? And uh, we got a lot of games at home. There's a lot of home games in this stretch over the next uh, the next month and a half or so. So, uh, so far, the Warriors are great on the road and not great at home. <laughs> Can you believe that? <laughs> it's just just some baffling storylines early in the season thus far. It's like such an inverse, like a photo inverse negative copy of last season. They're bad at home, but great on the road. Where last season, they were great, on the, they were great at home and terrible on the road. And this season, it's like the bench is actually pretty good. But the starters suck. When last year, the starters were amazing and the bench was so atrocious that it was costing them all the games. It's, I mean, all correctable. You're so right. I mean, you can point to that Minnesota game, like in a vacuum, is encouraging, right? The young guys played. They stepped up. We learned a lot. Encouraging. The Denver game in a vacuum, super encouraging. They were right there to win without Draymond against Mm -hmm. Jokic, you know, on the road at the end of this road trip. Lots of resilience, lots of stuff. Like there's a lot of good things to take, but having them be strung together like this is tough and not getting any uh, foothold at home, but they've got some time to turn it around. But it kind of, it sucks that we've had, like what's with the schedule, this long road trip at the beginning of the season and then two 
back-to-backs in a row or like back-to-back competitors with Minnesota twice in a row and then OKC twice in a row. Like I kind of like the different styles. Let's get a different look. Let's not play against these big teams like so frequently. And the Warriors have already had three back-to-backs so far. Yeah, totally. And that's tough on a schedule. Schedule has not been friendly. Yeah. Which is also even more confusing why you wouldn't lean on the young guys. So, um, yeah, or at least the different guys. Pods played thirty nine. How many minutes did he play last night? Thirty nine. Like yeah, thirty nine. Thirty nine. That is insane. I mean, deserved them. He was really good and important. But like, what? Am I living in a bizarro world? Like, what is happening here? I mean, with the way he's playing, I'd love to see him continue to play as much as as much as he can if i'm being honest i mean if we're gonna roll with the two guard lineups i mean i Corey joseph thanks for being a part of this team but please give steve kerr please give those minutes to bots i mean yeah honestly like that's like let him see what's going on yeah it'll be interesting it is important to note though we have seen young guys on the warriors play very well have steve kerr say absolutely they're a big part of our team they're gonna play more and then it's like one bad game later. It's like, oh, they're not playing again. So <laughs> we will see what happens with that. But I think these next few games with all the uncertainty about Draymond and Steph, absolutely a chance for Kerr to rejigger the rotation and figure out some combinations and lineups that work together. Because so far, it hasn't been working that much. Are we uh, are we hitting the panic button? Are we pulling up the trade machine at all? Is that even is that even coming into to thought or consideration? Zach Levine, Pascal Siakam, mm-hmm. a lot of names being thrown around out there these days. I don't think so. I don't think so. Not yet. Let's give them some time. It's been a herky jerky start to the season with some tough matchups. I do think if Wiggins is going to play like this for a lot longer, it's like there's got to be some kind of cavalry to come help out. Like this this team is not going to do what it needs to do with Wiggins not at least being a quality starter, let alone the all-star he was during the championship run. So we'll see. I'm not sure if Zach Levine's the fix for this team, but – hey, this team is so offensively starved right now that any scorer would be great, even pods. Yeah, I don't think any trade's going to happen. I think I think this is the team ride or die. Maybe they add, right? They've got, they still got the, uh, the 14th slot open or 15th slot. Still got that open mm-hmm. roster spot. Um, I think- Let's see, Gui you know, Santos. Yeah, Santos finally got that got that contract, so he's uh, he's with the squad. I'd love to see him get some minutes. I think, um, you know, you do anything with Wiggins, who's playing defense? You do anything with Clay? Like, I, I just feel like our our roster is too unique, and anyone you go out there and trade for, you're basically doing a rebuild. So I think so if true. this thing if this thing all crashes and burns, that's why you have the flexibility and optionality optionality there you go buzzwords of dunleavy going into next season that you now shed that 30 million chris paul contract and figure out what you want to do with this team um and and clay thompson sure isn't doing himself any favors with um the contract he's looking for in free agency yeah no he's not and that's a really good point you know you kind of figure out where to go how to build a more economical roster based on 
how people are playing and the minutes they need to get. But you're right. There's two. You can't get Wiggins and Clay are the biggest dark spots on this team right now in terms of who's not playing up to potential and how that's impacting the team. But if you and but we're seeing what happens when you get rid of them. Like you can't just replace them like that. You can't just replace Clay. He's like, you know, one of the greatest three-point shooters of all time. Like this team needs its spacing. It needs people to be able to run around. And, and Clay's guarding fours. So yeah. what what two guard are you going to trade for that's going to defend fours? <laughs> I will say those the, that's where the, these games against the two towers have made it pretty difficult because Clay being put in matchups against Cat against Evan Mobley is maybe not what we were hoping for when Steve Kerr was like, he's going to guard for us. That's a tough matchup. But then you look at the inflated rebounding and we out-rebound those teams and it really just comes down to shooting. So I think that yeah. there, there's part of the analysis that we're unhappy with the result but they've leaned into this small ball style and if guys aren't going to hit shots there's just not really anything we can do but with the personnel on this team there isn't really any adjustments to make outside of um who's who's playing and getting minutes um so true this is is the identity yeah i'm not saying they need to go get dwight howard or anything like that i'm not like a big warriors need a center guy but you do have to think clay's having a rough start like banging up and down with all these bigs that's got to be hard to try to keep shooting as well not everyone can be Steph Curry so I'm sure it'll even out I I fully trust in Clay like I think he's going to figure it out this time last year we were thinking that Clay was well we weren't thinking of this but we were worried that Clay was toast and that like it was tough and then by January he was having maybe the best stretch of his career regular season wise so I think he'll figure it out. We've just got to make sure we can tread water and keep finding things out until it does snap into focus. I like it. I like the optimism. Hopefully some games against the more everyone's a wing yeah, roster, like modern Oklahoma NBA. <laughs> modern NBA roster and no seven footers will, will help us kind of get back yeah. on track. Definitely, definitely. So what's the let's close out here, Sam. What's the schedule coming up? I know they've got OKC twice coming up. Yeah. Like next few games. Yeah, we got OKC back to back. Then we've got Rockets, Suns, Spurs, Kings, uh, and then two Clippers, Suns, Clippers. We play the Clippers nice. three times in like the period of two weeks. Okay, that's bizarre. <laughs> that's absolutely bizarre. I wonder if the schedule is weird because of all the in-season, in-season tournament stuff. Yeah, and then the Spurs and Kings are back-to-back in-season tournament games. Ooh. So that's it actually int- really weird. We play all four of our in-season tournament games in uh, basically in, no, in the month of November. Yeah, all four games are in the month of November. I don't know if that's by design or just how it worked out. It's strange. It is interesting that, especially like with the Minnesota game, like you play the first game, it's just a regular season game. And then the next one is the in-season tournament. And it feels more like a playoff atmosphere because you're making adjustments and you know, like, I don't mind that necessarily. Uh, but it is, it is a little, little bizarre. A little bizarre. Yes. I, so think, Thunder, I think the Thunder Warriors Rockets are going to do well Spurs. over this. Yeah. I think they can do well on that swing with some of those teams. I think they're gonna I, they're gonna reel off some some good wins coming up. I hope so. It, it seems like there's no easy outs right now in the NBA. The Rockets are the Rockets are rolling. 
Um, Suns are struggling. Uh, Spurs are the Spurs. That'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, Kings, Fox is back now. They they were mm-hmm. uh, reeling and they've won their last few games. So, um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot to, t- again, there's a lot to take away from these last four games. We'll be interesting to see what the adjustments are, find out the Draymond news. Um, I have a lot of optimism in this team. I think that there's a lot of good foundation. There's clearly some cracks, though, that need to be addressed. But mm-hmm. I do feel like this isn't quite panic time. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think in any Warriors recent history, stretches without Steph Curry are always difficult and challenging and even more so no Steph, Clay, and Draymond. The fact that mm-hmm. the Timberwolves that are looking like the second best team in the West right now, um, you know, we took them to nearly, you know, a buzzer beater, you know, short of a buzzer beater victory with uh, Pods as our leading scorer. Says a lot. <laughs> it really does. It really does. Yeah. I mean, this team is deep, right? There's a lot of good players. I think once we iron out the rotation, things will look really good. They looked good in the beginning. And we didn't even mention this, Sam. Steph is playing out of his mind. Like, this guy is miraculously good. And as long as he's playing this well, they're, you know, they will be heard from. Yeah. 100%. Awesome. Well, thank you, Corey, as always. Hey, appreciate it, Sam. Go Dubs. Let's, let's get this losing streak out of our minds and watch the taste out of our mouths. I'm ready for some wins. I'm ready for some dubs, dubs. You and me both, man. <laughs> All right. I'll catch you later, man. Take care. And once again, this has been a We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, a sports ethos presentation. Of course, right after recording this, we got the official word. Draymond Green will be suspended for the next five games. It's going to be really interesting to see how that unfolds, who's going to step up to a lot of questions to be answered for the Warriors. So if you haven't already, please give me a follow over at Twitter. That's at SDORLIC. Subscribe, rate, and review the show. Let's go, Dub Nation, taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder tonight. Thanks for tuning in.